1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show Podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: It's coming in after 4. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL.com, and on the app, it's our famous Friday show. Danny, are you excited or what? I'm always excited for Friday. That's true. I was I thought you were going to say you're always excited because whenever I ask you, you're excited. At least it's the pro. Maybe it's the program. Are you excited? <laughs> that is
3: true. Are you
2: are you excited other times of the day too? Like when it's time to go to sleep or eat food or yes, yeah, sure, or why not? Okay. What is there a wrong time to be excited? All right then. I like the attitude. That's a good one, and it's, it's going to come Thanks. in handy because we have a lot to do this hour. I hope you're ready. Do. Have you done your stretches, your crunches, and all that stuff, so you're limber and ready to roll? I'm doing them now. Okay, great. Better late than never. Yes, because we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have a couple of special guests this hour. We're going to have, in just a few moments, a gentleman named Keith Law. He's a baseball writer, senior baseball writer for The Athletic, and author of a brand-new book called The Inside Game. We'll chat with him for a little bit. And then we also have Rob Motty, who's joined our program before. He has a book called Football Faith. We'll talk with him about, as well as the NFL Drafts. So we'll have a little sports theme today and... If you remember, we had a special guest. Was it just Tuesday? Dan Rupel was our guest uh, from the uh, West Coast. And Dan was part of the original Christian comedy group. Isaac Air Freight went on to help run The Price is Right for many years and help with The Letterman Show, a Tonight Show with David Letterman, bunch of other things. And they have a very funny sketch from back in the day called The Last World Series Report. And so we're going to play that for folks this hour as well. And I understand because a little birdie told me that our Now That's Punny segment at the very end, where you do the puns and we play some fun sound effects. It actually has a little bit of a sports theme. Is that right? That is right. Wow. So it kind of all makes sense. It, it all lines up. Yeah. Is it is it accurate to say we have a plan? I know. What is that like? I when does that ever happen? <laughs> I, I'm so used to kind of be like, uh, what's going on next? I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's what's, what's happening. And – uh the weekend looks to be beautiful today. Well, how about that? And it's been wonderful. And tomorrow is supposed to be 73 with some sun and clouds. And Sunday, maybe a little cloudier, a little rainy, but a high of 76. So, you have any plans you can think of from now? I think I'm just going to be going on walks,
4: maybe laying out,
2: getting
3: some, start getting a tan, maybe. Sure.
2: You know, it's May now, right? Today's the first of May. So, I think we forget. We've been indoors so long. It's like an extended winter, although we never had the real big snowstorm that uh, what it's in the 70s already. Well, it is May. You know, it is supposed to be kind of happening, Right. right? So it it occurred to me yesterday, I'm giving these high numbers in the forecast. And I'm like, then again, consider the time of year, which is easy for folks to lose track of considering uh, what's what's been happening. All that I'm with you, if nothing else, just as a small uh, note for folks trying to kind of help life be normal, get outside. Like do something, Mm -hmm. like go for a walk. Like you said, maybe play tennis. You could be on opposite sides, right? Or, or something that kind of uh, within the, obviously the, the, what folks are supposed to be doing and keeping distance and all that there's stuff to be done. So I I think, you know, like, I think the more that people are out doing some things respectfully, it'll start to feel more normal rather than waiting for someone just to say, okay, everyone, you can go out again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit that feeling. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. So now um, I will let you finish your stretching and getting ready for the pun segment, <laughs> right? And we're, Sounds we're, good. we're looking forward to that. And uh, well, that's Danny who helps out of course with the show and produces does a lot of great stuff for the program. And uh, she is going to uh, be rejoining us a little bit later on in the show, but uh, want to bring in at this time who I mentioned our first guest and his name is Keith law. He is the senior baseball writer for a uh, senior baseball writer for the athletic and his brand new book out called, The Inside Game, and we're glad to have you around. Keith, how are you? Hey, how are you? Good, how are you?
4: I'm good, thank you.
2: Delaware guy, right? We're not too far apart.
4: Yeah, that's where I've lived for the last seven years now.
2: Okay, good. Well, nice to make your acquaintance, uh, The Inside Game. I guess before that book, there was another book uh, that had a little influence on The Inside Game, The Thinking Fast and Slow. just wonder if you could talk for a second about how that influenced and helped set the stage for The Inside Game.
4: Well, that was a book recommended to me by a front office executive for the Astros at the time. He works for another club now. Uh, he – not only did he recommend that book to me, but he said, this is the book that we ask new hires to read, new hires into the Houston front office. And I since found out, too, you know, other clubs basically you do the same thing. Usually it's this book. Sometimes it's other books in the same arena. But I read that book, and it really clicked with me because – it is, one, because I have a tiny bit of an economics background going back to college and grad school, so that helped, I kind of understood the author's language and point of view, but also could really see how these various biases work, just in my own thinking. If you're human, you can fall prey to these cognitive biases that I'm talking about throughout the book. They're not really a question of intelligence or education. They're just hardwired into our brains by thousands of years of evolution. And so what I tried to do in my own book here was draw on... Thinking Fast and Slow, other books in that genre, and other papers I found going through academic literature to highlight about a dozen of these cognitive biases and then explain them using examples from the baseball world. Because I think that just makes it more accessible. You've got a chance for it to be a lot more entertaining. And often people will have their own specific memories of some of these stories. And in a way, I end up challenging some of those memories by telling people the way you've always thought about this game or this decision or this trade maybe take a look from a different perspective and you'll come to see it differently because I'm explaining it through the lens of a specific bias or illusion.
2: Yeah, Keith Law is our guest, author of the new book, The Inside Game. Uh, baseball's a sport of decisions, uh, Keith, and you know some are small and, and routine, building blocks, and some are huge and, and dictate the future of franchises and knowing what's behind them, right? That's, that's the key to understanding the sport and the book talks a lot about what were people thinking and why. Is, am, I, am I accurate in that?
4: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And and as you said, these these cognitive biases I talk about in the book, they affect all decisions, large or small. And the the general solution to all of these is to try to find different information, more information or information that might challenge that initial belief that you had that what you're doing is is the right thing. If you're thinking about signing Gary Matthews Jr. after he has what is pretty clearly an outlier career year, you should, which is, in this case, the Angels, who signed into a five-year contract, did not look at all of the available evidence. They focused very much on the most recent data that they had. The bias in question is called recency bias. And they did not adequately consider his entire body of work and the general information that we had, even at the time, this was in 2006, about how position players tend to perform as they age. We knew, even back then, that position players, as hitters particularly, tended to peak in their late 20s, around age 27 or so. Barry Matthews Jr. was already turning 31, so we knew his performance was likely to decline going forward rather than to hold steady or even to improve. Angels ignored all of that information and ignored everything he'd done before the most recent season because they sort of got caught up in what appeared to be a new level of performance, not recognizing the probability, which turned out to be true, that it was just a fluke. Essentially, the moment that he signed with the Angels, the deal already turned sour for a variety of reasons, and he didn't even play half of the five years in an Angels uniform.
2: The Inside Game is a baseball book, but also there's a a part of it, certainly, that can apply to decisions in life as well, right?
4: Yes, that's my hope, is that this book can cross over and potentially apply to people. People can find, they can apply the lessons from it anywhere in life. If you're in the business world or personal finance. You brought the example since we're in election year. This year's election is very important. If you're trying to think about who to vote for, whose policies might be most effective for you, and whose information you should be most inclined to uh, believe, how to parse all of the information that's coming at you, much of which is skewed to try to support one candidate or one party. These are cognitive biases that affect us everywhere in life. Baseball is just particularly good for talking about these things because, as you said at the top of the interview, Baseball is a game of decisions, a series of discrete events over the course of every game, every season, even every off season. which means we've got a lot of things to break down. And we can often isolate individual decisions and talk about them independently, even of, say, the pitch that came before and the pitch that came after, which makes it perfect fodder for, one, for a book like this, and two, for thinking about the thought processes that went into each individual decision.
2: Last quick question for you, Keith. Uh, one example, I'm a long-time suffering Phillies fan growing up, and the Red Sox are my second favorite team that were also long-suffering. 2003, you have a chapter on uh, the Grady Little decision and being on the phone with your boss at the time in Toronto. Can you just share for a quick second about that story and, and the decision in, in that process?
4: Yes. Well, so Grady Little, I think probably most fans, if you're old enough, you remember watching that ALCS game. It was Game 7. Red Sox took a lead with Pedro Martinez on the mound into the bottom, into the, uh, sorry, eighth inning. And uh, Grady Little went out to the mound after a couple batters reached. The Red Sox had scored. Tying runs were I believe, at the plate or at that point. Grady Little goes out to the mound and it looks like he's going to pull Pedro Martinez. He's got relievers up and ready. I'm on the phone with my boss at the time. We're just assuming he's going to take Pedro Martinez out. And then Grady Little turns around and walks back to the dugout and I hear my boss at the time, the GM of the Blue Jays, shouting, No, Grady, no, because we had a he had a pretty good uh, my boss, JP, particularly having played professionally and been in the game so long, had a pretty good idea what had happened. Grady had let Pedro Martinez kind of talk him out of taking him out of the game. And it probably played into status quo bias. That sense that doing nothing is somehow inherently less risky than doing something. We are, again, hardwired to think not making a change is safer than making a change. That's not actually true. And in this case, there was an overwhelming amount of information available to Grady Little at the time that he should have made the pitching change. He didn't. Red Sox lost the game and the series and had to wait another whole year before actually getting that world championship.
2: Yep. Thanks. Have a great day, Keith.
4: Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. Keith uh, Law making the uh, baseball rounds today and he's got a number of folks he's chatting with. The new book is called the uh, Inside Game. And it offers an era-spanning dissection of some of the best and worst decisions in modern baseball, explaining what motivated them, what can be learned from them, and how their legacy has shaped the game. The Athletic has been a, a platform that has developed the past few years and had quite an impressive list of folks join it. And Keith is one of them. Glad to have him on board today. We're going to have another impressive gentleman, uh, Rob Motte, who has been on a program before. He's the head writer for the Associated Press. And uh, also a strong believer, and he's going to be chatting about a couple of things, including the NFL draft and how the Eagles did and how he thinks they did, at least. And that was just this past uh, week. And uh, also his book, Football Faith, we'll get into that with him. Before that, though, we have a fun uh, segment to play for you from the Christian comedy group Isaac Airfreight, something called The Last World Series Report. We'll get into that here in just a second. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. You're
1: listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com.
2: It's 417, The Tim DeMoss Show, and WFIL, our famous Friday show. Having a lot of fun today. Don't forget, we still have the Philly Sports Survey on our website. You could win some pretty cool prizes just for giving your opinion. If life were only like that. Check it out on the contest and surveys page at WFIL.com. So, earlier this week, we had a gentleman named Dan Ruppel join the program. Dan was in a comedy group called Isaac Air Freight. Late 70s into the, uh, I guess it was late 80s, early 90s. But prior to that, when he was growing up, he was sharing about how he and his buddies who were in this comedy group when they were teenagers... We're getting really good. They were actually playing some clubs uh, and they were even opening up for like Lily Tomlin and folks like that. And uh, I'm setting that up because I'm going to play a quick clip from the interview from Tuesday and then play a really fun sketch to give you an example of the comedy of Isaac Airfreight. And this is just a clip from Dan sharing after he and his buddies had been doing this, uh, this group. It wasn't called Isaac Airfare at the time. I don't think it was. It was just the, two, the three of them were doing comedy for about five years. And, uh, and here's what Dan had to say at that point. It was the late 70s.
5: We were a three-man group at the time. And I said, I've got to, uh, I've got to tell you, I'm, I became a Christian, and I'm going to leave the group tonight. And my one partner, Dave Toole, said, well, I was going to leave the group tonight because last week I became a Christian. And then my third partner, Larry Watt, he said, last week I rededicated my life to the Lord. And so we just said, whoa, God. We were like baby, baby, baby Christians. And we just said, "Um, I think we should keep the group going and do something that we'll call Christian comedy. And over the next weeks, um, I guess it was two months, so eight weeks. We wrote our entire first record, and um I mean, it was that soon. so what it was is we were already really honed in our comedy uh, craft I mean we were good we'd been we have been playing clubs for about seven years hmm. okay. uh, and but we were brand new in the faith, and we didn 't really know how you do this thing, how you integrate your Christian faith in, in comedy, and especially the kind of sketch, uh, kind of a little bit of irreverent comedy that we did. Right. It's like, how does this work? So that was kind of the, I guess you could say, the birthplace of what we think of today as con- contemporary Christian uh, comedy.
2: All right, so that's Dan Rupel, who was on this program just a few days ago on Tuesday. You get the full podcast. He spent the entire hour with us. It was great uh, to have him on because in addition to the comedy – He wound up going on and God used him in many ways. He was a main supervisor for the Price is Right for about a decade, had uh, hundreds of people under, I think 100 people under him. And they also wound up uh, working with The the Tonight Show with David Letterman, Primetime Emmys, Family Feud, really creative stuff. And now he has something called uh, Master Media that he's the CEO of. And so anyway, the full podcast of that. At WFIL.com. But I grew up on the comedy of Isaac Airfreight. They were the standard. Not that there were a ton of uh, folks to choose from, but they were really good. And so I want to play a sketch for me, especially because this one has a sports theme. And today we kind of are going that direction with Rob Motti from the Associated Press joining us shortly. Uh, this is simply a sketch called The Last World Series Report. This is one of the early Isaac Airfreight sketches.
1: okay, Pete. Uh, Let's see, our time's just about up and uh, I'd like to thank you for being with us today and we'll have a Spiegel gift certificate for you a little later. Uh And, uh, well, uh, best of luck to you and your team in the rest of the season.
5: Well, thank you very much, Robbie, but uh, on our team, luck has nothing to do with it. Hey, I got batting practice. Praise the Lord. See you later. Okay, thanks again, Pete. Now back to you in the booth, Joe.
2: There you have it. Isaac Air Freight, the last World Series report. One of many great sketches they've done over the years. Look them up online. There's stuffs on iTunes and On other places as well. Back with more in just a moment. Rob Motti from the Associated Press will join us. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560WFIL.com, as well as on the app. And you can grab the podcast of today's program, by the way, after the show at WFIL.com.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: It is 428, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. We continue our fine broadcast. Thank you for tuning in from the Associated Press, head writer for the Phillies and Eagles, and also author of the book Football Faith, 52 NFL Stars Reflect on Their Faith, Rob Motty. How you doing, Rob? Hey Timmy, how are you? How's life up north? Doing great. Are you down? Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you in Florida right now? Two months now.
3: I, have, I haven't seen uh, New Jersey or Pennsylvania since February 29th. However, wow. I am flying. I'm flying home for the weekend. I'll be home Saturday, and uh, returning back to Florida on Monday. So, uh, spend a prayer up for safe travels. I would appreciate it.
2: Yeah, sure, we'll do. And I'm, I'm curious also how uh, how that's going to work. You know, um, my son Tim just graduated college yesterday. It was his last final and oh wow yeah he's in west palm we're very proud of him he was supposed to graduate today this morning at 10 and of course all that changed so his graduation is virtual tomorrow but after that we're like hey are you gonna fly home to see mom and dad the family like he wants to do it but i don't know flights are still going but uh, do you know do you have any idea if there are many people (laughs)
3: okay
2: (laughs) i mean you haven't been on one but do you know do you expect to see a wide open plane i guess they have to they have certainly- I'll tell you what, I sure I sure
3: hope so. I got my mask, I got my gloves, I got my sanitizer, so I don't, in- I don't intend to sit next
2: to anyone. Okay, well, we have a couple things I want to just uh, pick your brain about today. We have our famous Friday show going, it's a lot of fun, and we're doing a little sports theme today. Uh, you and I were on a Zoom call with the Eagles last week as part of a big thing when they were doing the NFL draft for several days. And just want to get your take on how you thought the team did and I have a couple of players I want to ask you specifically about. So I'll leave it to you to decide what you know what, what area you want to focus on.
3: Yeah, well Timmy, I think it's people love to analyze the draft as soon as it's the pick is made and as it's ongoing. And I like to tell people, I'll give you my draft grade in three years because you know, <laughs> I, I had like
2: teachers that. like that in high school, Rob. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you, you got to give these guys an opportunity to, one, see what they do and develop. And people want to jump all over the Eagles, and they they should have done this. They should have done that. Now, of course, they. I tell everyone the Eagles, Howie Roseman's greatest gift to Philadelphia sports media was drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round because it <laughs> gave everyone – Not just the topic for this week. This whole manufactured quarterback controversy is going to linger and continue and then get worse when Jalen Hurts throws three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter of a meaningless preseason game (laughs) against guys who aren't going to be on the practice squad and are going to be looking for a job. And Carson throws an interception. People are going to be calling for Jalen Hurts to start. And it's unfortunate, uh, but that's just the reality of the city that – we live in the team that we cover and the fan base that is so passionate about their team. Uh, I, I thought at that spot in, in number two, at number 53, I would have loved to see them take running back J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. I thought that you add Jalen Reaver in the first round, you have a wide receiver that they hope can be a Tyreek Hill type, a younger version of Deshaun Jackson. Now go and get a running back to compliment Miles Sanders. And you really can have a grinded-out, smash-mouth football-type offense if it's needed, if the the pace of the game dictates that you play that way. And then look where he ends up. Dobbins goes two picks later to the Baltimore Ravens, who just happened to have the number one rushing offense and set all kinds of records last year yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. And, and they thought, hey, let's just get better. So that's one area where I think you can really discuss, talk about, and say, yeah, maybe they should have done this instead of that. Other than that, I look at this draft and uh, a, the kid that I really love, Kayvon Wallace, out of uh, Clemson, round four. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, uh, you know this, I mean, he's going to be compared to Brian Dawkins. There's a lot of similarities. They both went to Clemson. He was roommates with Doc's, uh son for a couple years. But the one similarity that I love, is that they are both men of God, as he put it, strong men of faith. And, and Kayvon's been mentored by not only Brian Dawkins, but Troy Vincent, who is another strong man of faith. And, and he said in all his conversations with both men, it was never about football. It was always about how to be a better man what the Bible says about being a better man and how to give back to the community. So he's somebody that I'm really excited to get to know for sure.
2: Rob Mott is our guest. Uh, He's the head writer for the Phillies and the Eagles for the Associated Press. And have we hit the double digit, uh, the 20, I mean, the 20 year mark now for you officially twenty twenty? Yeah. Yeah.
3: This was my 20, I'm entering my 21st year.
2: Wow. Wow. That's great. And you mentioned Brian Dawkins. He's in your book, Football Faith, which you want to get to. Just want to talk the draft a little bit more. I I agree that Kayvon Wallace thing that I also, um, had noticed was he won a state championship in high school and two national championships with Clemson. So that trifecta thing, you know, maybe he brings that winning uh, pedigree with him too, right? I mean, couldn't, hurt. I'm sure that a lot of players, many players have never even come close to that. So, you know, I'd rather have somebody who can, who can know how to win rather than necessarily pile up stats. Cause one guy I thought was really cool in the draft uh, just to, you know, you never know, but the wide receiver, John Hightower, that took in the fifth round. Um, and I actually asked, uh, him the question during the press conference because he had 113 receptions in college and 21 of them for touchdowns, like one every five and change, which, you know, um, he's not Jerry Rice. He's not the like, but when you look at the pro list, um the closest that comes to that, I think, is Randy Moss, one every six. Jerry Rice is one every eight. Um it just struck me as like, wow, like every every fifth catch, you you're in the end zone at like, you know, and he just said, well, my coach told me, like, don't just catch the ball. You know what are you going to be doing with it? I'm sure they teach all the receivers that, but um, he seemed to. I'd, I'd love to have a, somebody who has that knack for fun in the end zone, right? Rather than just racking up the yards. So remember what
3: Buddy Ryan said about Chris Carter way back. You know, yeah. All he does is get
2: yeah. touchdowns, then release them for
3: reasons that we now have come to yeah. know. He had yeah. a lot of issues. A lot of, and, and Chris, of course,
2: has gone on, became a Hall of Famer, and found the Lord and turned his life around. Right, right. Chris Carter is the other name that easily jumped to mind. The other one, just as a side note, um, wide receiver Quest Watkins they took in the sixth round, and mm-hmm. um, I, I had noticed that he it just looked like he was successful whatever he did, <clears throat> and he was always like high on the team in catches and yards and whatever and big plays. And the question I had asked him was like, "Are you are you gonna? How do you balance being the new guy with versus just you know and just being happy to be here versus making a name?" And he said, "A lot of people may not know me now." But by the end of the season, people are going to know me, <laughs> and, I, and I loved. Yeah. And he said a couple more sentences along those lines. But you could tell, even though the the players only talk with us for about ten minutes, you can tell some of them have more like I, I don't know. Like you, you can, you get a little feel for the confidence level, and yeah, they it, don't,
3: they don't, they didn't lack for confidence. They didn't lack for swag. Jalen Rieger, also the first round pick, he said something. Uh, you know, along those lines, too, and I was like, "Wow, this kid, this kid's definitely confident. Uh, I found Jalen hurts to be very humble hmm. um and 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 I think he 's going to be a great fit in the quarterback room a uh, man of strong faith too and, and and I wrote in a column that I did for ninety the fanatic not for a p but for the fanatic that one yeah. out yesterday that uh, i i'm almost positive that jalen hurts will end up doing not just studying the bible with carson wentz but uh, not studying just the, the playbook but also studying the bible and, and probably heading to church with him too as well
2: <laughs> rob moddy our guest for a few moments on the tim Demos show it's wfil in philadelphia um uh back to the hurts thing one last kind of question but it, which will dovetail into your book football faith i'm going to talk about for a moment or two as well um Hertz, you know, there's the comparison again, like can't Wentz kind of finally shake things where he's clearly the only one who anyone wants on the field uh, when you had Nick Foles in town. And and of course I know we've talked about that before, but in Hertz's case, it's um, he might kind of understand, and there might be a little bit more of a camaraderie there in, in in the extent that, you know, Hertz's background at at Alabama uh, and then going on from there and how he was close, but didn't get to finish things himself. I guess he was injured in the championship game and and, uh, Tua came on and finished it off. And, Right, so like it's it's different. It's not like does that make any sense? Does that seem? I mean, maybe it won't be an issue yeah, one way or I, the other. I, but
3: the, the way the way I look at that is, is I, I think Carson at first, like everybody else, was taken aback. Um, people are outraged. Uh, for many fans are, are just they hated the pick because they thought the Eagles should have used a premium pick like that on a different position. I'm sure, I mean, human nature, if you're Carson Wentz, you go, why is the team investing in second-round pick on a player at my position when they just gave me $108 million guaranteed? But given that, uh, Carson is he's dealt with so much here. I've said this uh, all week. He's stronger mentally than any athlete I've known. I mean, you you see a guy lead a team to the brink of the Super Bowl. He's injured. The backup steps in, wins the first ever Super Bowl in franchise history. Uh, Then he gets hurt again the following year. Then he gets hurt again. So he had to live with it and live under and forever will uh, the shadow of Nick Foles. So I I, kind of feel like the Eagles know Carson's mindset. is so strong. Hmm. And and he's been able to overcome adversity, setbacks, and any kind of disappointments because of his faith, because of his relationship with the Lord, that they are able to do something like this that may be controversial, that may be viewed as competition and realize that it'll work here because he's he's fine. He's strong enough mentally to handle this. There are situations in teams in the NFL and quarterback rooms and quarterbacks and locker rooms where Teams couldn't do this. They, would, they couldn't be able to bring in somebody who's a Heisman Trophy runner-up. In Philly, that's okay
2: because Carson Wentz is the starting quarterback. Rob Motte with the Associated Press, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show forecast. A uh, quick check on it, low down to 52 with some clouds tonight. Beautiful day tomorrow, mix of clouds and sun, high 73, 76 the high for Sunday. On the cloudy side, maybe a shower or two, but still 76 the high for Sunday. As Rob's talking there, we're chatting about uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback that the Eagles drafted in the second round last week. Uh, Just had a quick clip to play for you as far as him learning from Carson Wentz. You know, it's a lot of
5: knowledge in the quarterback room and a lot of knowledge in the organization itself. For me to have an opportunity to learn, take steps as a quarterback and, and grow, um I'm looking forward to it all I'm, I'm I'm ready to go to work. I've said that a thousand times, but yeah I've always been about to grind and I'm just ready to go
2: to work that uh, Jalen hurts the new quarterback for the Eagles, one of the quarterbacks, I should say, and uh mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. should be very interesting. Quick break. We'll keep it going with Rob Marty here on the Tim DeMoss Show, WFIL.
1: Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues.
2: It's 442 on the Tim DeMoss Show, chatting with Rob Marty. He is the uh, author of the book, Football Faith. We are chatting together uh, today. Again, the, uh, the title of the book, Football Faith, 52 NFL Stars Reflect on Their Faith, which we're going to be giving actually some copies away with our Rewards Club in the near future. The word reflect, certainly appropriate these days as folks tend to have a little more time on their hands uh, to reflect if they choose. Certainly in the sports world, it's almost a necessity. There's not much new stuff to talk about. I think that's starting to change. If I read correctly, NASCAR is going to start doing some you know, races without fans at least it's something. And of course we had the draft recently, um, share the backstory on, you know, on why you wrote football faith in the first place and, and kind of how it came together. Cause I know it was a lot of work to put together.
3: Yeah. it is, And boy, I think that came out four or five years ago and it is, uh, it, it, it's running. It's running off the shelves now. Uh, I, I think that some of the copies that you may have are they're hot commodities. I, mean, uh, I don't know how many. <laughs> maybe, how many are athletes. Maybe and we'll sell
2: them instead of uh, give them away.
3: <laughs> put them on eBay. Check yeah, eBay I real quick. People will reach out to me and go, "Hey, uh, we, we want some copies." But it did very well. Uh, the, the initial idea was a football book, and uh, your, your brother um, Bob, who was he, he, He's in publishing, and he's published so many books you you had connected me with him uh if you remember that's right and, i forgot about that and yeah and and bob said we are at the time he was with gosh i think he was with harper collins at the time probably right and, and, and I, yeah and i believe that they they were looking for this so i did it and, and then um a couple things fell through at the end involving waivers and whatnot, so I ended up going to a different, through a different publisher, Barber. They published it. Ironically, I ended up going back to Zondervan Collins, two years ago when the Eagles won a Super Bowl, and I did Birds of Prey through them, and that did very well, too. So it's basically a, a book of devotionals, 52 different athlete, uh, NFL players who just share their favorite Bible verse and why it is so uh, significant in their lives. And there's a lot of Hall of Famers who are involved in there. There's some players who uh, maybe were rookies and, and haven't panned out, but it, it's a good mix of player. And, and I think it, it's really cool, especially at a time like this, what we're going through with a global pandemic. Is it, it gives you perspective. Uh, and a lot of people who, um, are going through maybe sports withdrawal right now, I, I think you can take a step back and really appreciate who the real essential people are in life, and they are those out in the front lines, the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare providers, the grocery store clerks, the person who's stocking shelves overnight so you can go get your milk and eggs and everything else. And we have spent so many years, to be glorifying athletes and entertainers, but look at it now. They're home just like you are, just like I am. And they're 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 not out on the front lines, like you know, not to diminish from who they are, but I, I think we needed this time to reset our values and put God and family in the forefront of our lives. And while I, I have said this numerous times, I feel terrible for anyone who's lost somebody. I feel horrible for anyone who's suffering and going through uh, job loss, unemployment, or anything else. I always feel Romans eight twenty eight. God works for the good in all things, Penny. In all things, he works for our good. So if we trust in him, if we believe in him, if we are here to serve his purpose, there is good to be found through this global pandemic, and I don't—I know I just went off on something else that had nothing to do with football faith, but <laughs> I'm sorry,
2: man. I got passionate. No, that's good. That's that's great, and it really has a lot to do with football faith. For those tuning in, it's Rob Motti. He is the head writer for the Associated Press for the Phillies and the Eagles, covered them for a couple of decades now, and Rob and I actually have known each other for a lot of years, including playing softball together, and uh, part of the part of you coming to the Lord, we had some great conversations and Bible study times together, and God really took you from a guy who was kind of uh, practicing uh, re- religion or playing it, I should say, to someone who really understood the gospel and you know, God revealed himself to you in a very special way. So to see this book, uh, Football Faith, as one of the pieces of fruit, if you will, to bless others is, is a great thing. And and I, and I the reason why I was asking about how it came together, you mentioned the word waiver when you were talking about the book p- publishing company you're working with. Um, not to be taken lightly, to get fifty-two different players to you know approach them with your idea to actually get them to do it, to get it back. I'm sure there were some uh, obstacles, shall we say, uh, to or, or you know some were probably willing and some were more like, so why are you doing this
3: or what is this about or yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's not easy it's not an easy thing to do uh, it's one thing to to get somebody to talk on a record and then to have them sign a piece of legal documentation entirely. Uh, different, so it, it took a lot of work and it took a lot of years. I think that book was two or three years in the making, wow. and then eventually, after that one, uh, we did follow up with a baseball face where I did uh, the same, the same uh, idea with baseball players. Did not this will tell you about America and, and how football is king? Football faith has sold a tremendous amount more copies than baseball face. to really? this day. I still get royalties for football faith, not for baseball.
2: Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Uh-huh. So, so is there uh, a basketball faith? One
3: of the guys, <laughs> and actually one of the guys on the cover of football faith is Colin Kaepernick, which um, uh, obviously became a controversial figure three years ago in the yes. NFL.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's right at the top by your name. <laughs> yeah, so, and Was there any player um, that particularly uh, struck you as, impressed you? And it doesn't have to be because they were so spiritually mature, maybe just because they were very honest or open or whatever it might be.
3: Nick Foles was probably, and and I was writing this, I think right around his rookie year. And you remember he had his rookie year, 2012, he was drafted. He was okay. Then 2013, he had a phenomenal year through 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, seven touchdowns in one game. Uh, Went to the playoffs, went to the Pro Bowl, all that stuff. Nick, to me, was one of the most genuine, sincere people. If you have a minute, I want to tell you a funny story about Nick. um, I was doing a podcast or some, some sort of internet radio show, not even, I wasn't on the fanatic or anything like that. It was just that kind of show back then. And, and I said, Hey, can you, uh, can you record for me? Hey, this is Nick Foles and you're listening to Rob Body, whatever it is. He's like, Yeah, yeah, sure. So he, uh, back, I didn't, I wasn't even using an iPhone. I was using like those old standard recorders and, and, and he does it. Um, I didn't hit the record button. And as I walk away, I'm like, Oh shoot, I didn't get it. He, he 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 reads my face. He goes, Bob, and I said, "What?" He's like, "Something something wrong?" I'm like, "Yeah, it didn't come out." He's like, "No problem, I'll do it again." <laughs> he does it, he he does it again. again That's great. I double hit the record. It didn't work a second time. I'm walking away. There's no way I'm going to turn around and say, "Hey, Nick, can you do it a third time?" He looks at me. He goes. I'll do it as long, I'll do it as many times as you need me to do it to get it done. And it it took, it took three takes. I finally
2: learned how to hit a record button. Wow. Wow. Well, you're only a writer after all, the technology aspect, <laughs> right? No. That's great. Yeah. Well, Nix yeah. is one of 52 stories in In Football Faith and uh, as you're mentioning it's a hot item right now so if folks go to look for it, they may not be able to buy it or maybe at some point uh, do you know if they'll be be uh, back in stock or another another run of them perhaps or it's a weird time, I, I do, you know? I do think there's some available. Right? There, okay.
3: There's a few, but there are some available if you Google am, uh, somewhere on Amazon.
2: Okay. And we, and we as mentioned, we do have some copies we're going to give away on the air. Um, yeah, that's great. You know what? I'm, I'm just thumbing through, too. I never remember how to pronounce his last name. Chris Moragos? Um, uh, is that how you say his last Maragos? name? Moragos? Yeah. Cause yeah. He oh, the, he, yeah.
3: I, I, so I spoke to Chris at uh, the Super Bowl when he was with Seattle, and the Super Bowl was in uh, New York, North Jersey. And then he got he came here, came to Philly, right. and what a tremendous man of faith. I got to know him even better after that, but towards the relationship initially when he was with the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, Chris's story is uh, incredible. And, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I do think his favorite Bible verse would be Matthew 633.
2: You're right. Absolutely. Seek first and, the kingdom uh, and, of God. And I'll
3: never forget, I'll never forget Nick, uh, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he
2: will lift you up in due time. And that that's just been Nick throughout his life. Chris Maragas is, uh, I actually DJed his babysitter's wedding last fall. <laughs> oh, about that? And, and uh, she's like, Chris might be coming to the wedding. We're not sure. But it turned out he didn't. So anyway, this is interesting that, yeah, you know, but they all have their different stories and they're in this book, uh, Football Faith, 52 NFL Stars Reflect on Their Faith. Rob Motte, kind enough to be our guest. Um, please give the wife and your beautiful girls a hug for us and a hello from the uh, balmy was it's, it's actually a nice day. It's close to 65 today. It's supposed to be 70 plus. Awesome. I, think. I, I don't want to go
3: from 85 to like 50. So no. Keep
2: it up there. Real nice one. Okay. <laughs> will do. All right, my, my friend. We'll catch you again. You got it, brother. All Take right. Care. Rob Motti, the uh, head writer for the Associated Press, also author of the book Football Faith, will be giving copies of that away in the near future. Quick break. We'll come back and wrap up our fine, famous Friday broadcast with our Now That's Funny segment in just a second on WFIL.
1: Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL? Email D at wfil.com.
2: It's 4.55 on the Tim DeMoss Show. We've had Keith Law, senior writer at The Athletic, uh, join us this hour on his new book, The Inside Game. Rob Motte, head writer for the AP and author of Football Faith. We'll be giving that away in the near future with WFIL's Rewards Club. In the meantime, you can get today's podcast at WFIL.com in the next hour or so. Also on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, Subscribe if you would to the podcast and tell one person about the show if you would. We'd appreciate that. Wouldn't we, Danny? Are you there? Of course. There you are. I think I didn't hit the right button. Hey, guess what? It's time. It's it's about time. You've been working hard all hour getting ready for these sports-related puns for our Now That's Punny segment. So it's all You you. got it. I'm ready. All right. What's the best place to shop for a sports shirt? The best place to shop for a sports shirt. I don't know. New Jersey. <clears throat> New Jersey. It's good and local. All right. Number two. What tea do hockey players drink? What tea do hockey players drink? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do...
3: Penalty.
2: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say iced tea. Oh, that would have been good. See? See? I
3: tea these yourself.
2: Yeah, right. Well, that would be work for me. I'd rather you do it. So what, <laughs> so what's next?
3: Why was Cinderella so bad at
2: baseball? Why was Cinderella so bad at baseball? I don't know.
3: Because she kept running away from the ball.
2: <laughs> yeah, she did do that, did she not?
3: She did do that. Next up. Why is a baseball game a good place to go on a hot day?
2: A baseball game on a hot day? Why? Uh, I have no idea.
3: Because there
0: are lots of fans. <laughs> Come
2: on, spread out. <laughs> Alright, what do you got next, Danny? Alright, which
3: baseball player holds holds the water?
2: Which Baseball player holds the water? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Water boy?
4: The pitcher. What would you do with a brain if you had one?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You knew that was coming.
4: All right. Yeah, of course.
2: Not bad.
3: What else? Which animal is best at baseball?
2: Which animal is best at baseball? Yeah. Um, don't know.
3: A
4: bat.
2: That was really bad.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that was
3: bad.
2: All right, you can redeem yourself. We have time for another couple.
3: All right. Uh, Do you know how many baseball fields there are in the world?
2: How many baseball fields there are in the world? Uh, No idea.
3: Well, I think there's about a million, but that's just a ballpark. Thank you. (laughs) Thank
2: you. one more, Danny. One more.
3: All right. What did the baseball glove say to the ball?
2: What did the baseball glove say to the ball? Uh, don't know. Catch you later. Catch you later. Ah, <laughs> that's so, cute. <laughs> so nice, cute. Nice work by you, Danny. I anticipate there being you. a little something extra in your paycheck this week. Oh, good. <laughs> Look in the corners of the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Thank, thanks. Thanks. Listen- All right. And uh, thanks for listening today. Jim Maxim. Acts 413 Ministries leads you prayer next. See ya.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from four to five on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com